Okay. Adult ish from YR Media. Where you at, Merc? Adult ish oh. from YR Media. Oh. Okay, adult. Oh, adult ish by from YR, YR Media. Media. Let me get a adult A, a D, ish a by a YR U, Media. A L, a T, a I S H, and B. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Where did that come from? From within, Lil Merc. I don't know. I'm in the studio and I'm feeling myself. Yes. Yo, that's pretty amazing, especially because today we're talking all about selfish here on Adult Ish by What Are We <laughs> Well, I'm Nige and that's Merc. And like she said, in this episode, we're focusing all on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Just really diving deep into important things that everyone should be carefully thinking about. Stuff like feelings, finances, and fears of being alone. We're going to get the party started with a new segment called the Fine Finances. And today, we'll be schooled on credit by NPR's former business reporter, Sonari Glinton. Warning, our dreams get crushed. Uh, not my dreams, just yours, Nige. Shady. That hurt a little <laughs> bit. But anyway, first on our Mama I Made It segment, we're going to have social media sensation and poet Demetrius Harmon, who totally gives shout outs to his mom for helping him get through his depression and anxiety. And to top off our show, we've got comedian and now author of the book, How to Be Alone. Lane Moore is joining us to help Nige and I with our goals, specifically our all by myself goals. <laughs> Mark, don't ever change, man. <laughs> hey, hey, you know that song was released the year we were born? Uh, dang, that's kind of crazy. How do you think Celine Dion feels? I bet she feels like an angel all the time. So, Merc. So, Nige. I want to tell you about a young boy and his childhood dream. Ooh, is this is this young boy you? I don't know. I guess we'll figure it out at the end of the story. Okay. So, a young boy, young handsome young gentleman. <laughs> so, I was in Hawaii and I was on a vacation when I was 10 years old and I hopped in this Jeep Wrangler and I was sitting in it. It's all red, big wheels. It's lifted up off the ground and I fell in love at 10 years old with a Jeep Wrangler. Wow. And I always told myself when you make it, Nige, you are getting a Jeep Wrangler. Well, uh, we got like the same paycheck. And with my paycheck, I'm definitely not getting enough to get that Jeep Wrangler. So how's your credit score? Uh, I don't know. I really don't think I even have any credit because I haven't looked before. What? But I'm about to get the Jeep. Oh, geez. Well, if I can't tell you how to spend responsibly, I've got someone who hopefully will. So this is a new segment called Fine Finances. And it's a new episode, which means me and Merck got a new paycheck, which also means that we need somebody to tell us how to spend that paycheck. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> so we're, <laughs> so we're bringing guess, in. Come on, introduce me. So, so we're bringing me on, in. I got, I got things to say. I got to say something. Please, so we're bringing I, I am in like a our animal. good conscience, our parents' voice in the back of our heads, the angel on our right shoulder. Don't you mean left shoulder? I don't know. Either way, the joke still makes sense. We are bringing NPR's former business reporter and journalist turned activist, Sonari Glinton. So, Sonari, what do you want to start off saying to our adult-ish listeners? Well, first of all, this is the moment, it's this podcast, I, I realize, that allows me the moment to be the old black man <laughs> who says stuff at the barbershop. And, and it's like, 
listen to me, fool. First of all, <laughs> that's what I want to say, right? But Nige, I got to tell you, I, I love that. That story was beautiful, but I'm going to tell you another story. <laughs> this is just funny to me. So I've been a car reporter for six years. Mm-hmm. I worked on an assembly line. My mother worked in a car plant. My grandfather worked for Cadillac. Right. I'm a car person. But I'm going to tell you, <laughs> in the six years that I was at NPR, I've only given a review of two cars. Right. Can you guess which ones they are? Uh, I'm assuming one is the... One of them is the Jeep Wrangler, and it is the worst <laughs> car. It is the worst car ever. Why? I mean, I it makes me mad. So much passion. Like, Why? that's how bad it is. What's wrong with uh, the Jeep this, Wrangler? This is what it is. Can you imagine okay. the amount of Drake captions I can put on my pictures when I post that on Twitter? Like, I'm standing on, on no, the no, no, hood no, here, here's of what my it is. Jeep I do, Wrangler. I do it. This, is, this is what it is. Oh, you think it's an SUV? There ain't no storage in it. Oh, you... <laughs> One eternity later. No, okay, but if wait, you don't hold on. Let's, go ahead. Hey, yeah, yeah, go ahead. We're talking too much about cars. What okay. we <laughs> care about today is credit. We want to be able to get a car in general in the first place. So, Sonari, you're quote unquote expert here today on credit. What exactly is credit? Yeah, credit is like your reputation. You know, back in the day, people would keep track and merchants would, you know, hey, Sonari, don't pay his bills, right? We all have various kinds of credit, but the official kind comes with your credit score. So, you know, most of us have a credit score. Um, Mm -hmm. It's called your FICO credit score. It judges how credit worthy you are, meaning how likely you are to pay this money back. And the better your credit is, the less interest you have to pay on loans and things like that. And especially as you're younger, you guys, and you're in your early 20s, mm-hmm. you can see how it moves with what you do. What's a, what's a good credit score and what's a bad credit score? You know, 700 or so is a good credit score. So let me give you, let me give you a, a scenario. So say a hypothetical person was about to buy a Jeep Wrangler. Um, and they're going to buy it, and they want to buy it because also it will help them build their credit Okay, by paying off the, the car note. So is paying off that car note an effective way of building up credit? Yeah, I mean, one of the, actually, this is, this is for real, uh, one of the easier ways to get credit, but the, but the interest rates are often higher, are for cars. So car companies understand that people need to go to, get a ride to go to work, so they, mm-hmm. they're often more lenient than, say, a credit card company. But I have to tell you, as someone who's covered the industry, cars are a terrible savings plan. They are a horrific way to improve your credit. I would rather you, f- you know, get a, a small little credit card, pay your bills on time. It's not that hard to do. Every kid I see has a cell phone. If you got a cell phone, <laughs> you can put an app on it where you pay your bills on time. Make sure your 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 student loans are being paid off on time. That's usually one of the ways you're going to build credit, right? But you want to stay current and not to get in over your head. The flip side of that is. What do I do to build credit if I have bad credit? You pay off the the higher interest loans, mm. and that is the high interest debt. Uh, someone once gave me the advice to use your credit card as if you're using a debit card because if you already know you have the money in your like debit account and then you pay it with your credit card and then you you know like pay back right away, that's a good way to build credit. True or false? Um, the way I would think of it is if you can pay it off every month, then that's the same. Does it make sense? Okay. So like yeah, yeah, one of my automatic sense. payments is my credit card is pay full balance, right? That will help 
create credit. But I'm going to tell you, you're 22 years old. You don't need no car and you definitely don't need no Jeep. I do, though. Like, I'm supposed to pull up at my girl's house on, on foot, just foot and socks. Yeah, what's that's her, so much more romantic, her, actually. What's her that's dad super You know what's sexy to a woman? What's up? You know what's sexy to a woman? A man who can pay his own bills. Nah, that's overrated. A man Amen. who has stability. Amen. Like, you got overrated. your Jeep Wrangler, and you oh, you rolling around the bay, and then what you gonna do when the rent is due? That's man, all that on. matters. I just gotta roll around the bay and look yeah. smooth. I didn't say it was my wife. I said this was my girl. No, 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 so no, no, she no. Don't You know, don't have to roll about the, she no, don't but know this what my is, rent look like. This is, I, here, here's a baller moment, right? I'll just, I, and then I'll get out of your hair. But I just want to tell you this. So Ralph Gilles is a black man who is the designer for Chrysler. Mm-hmm. And he's cute too, right? So he's a <laughs> cute brother who's the designer. Like he's climbed over all these folks to be the head of design. And I'm like... <laughs> He had to design the Jeep Wrangler. I can't even get down with it. And it's a brother who designed. You know a few brothers there are out there? Man. It is so hilarious. And But anyway, I... You just um, gave me another reason <laughs> to get a Jeep Wrangler. Buy yourself a bicycle, man. Get yourself oh a go, get yourself a nice video game. I'm going like, to look even more broke. Yeah. <laughs> looks. This if is I about pull up looks, on a bike, everybody's like, oh, Nodge fell off. What is that boy you know doing? Here's young blood. Here's what it's about. Huh? It's about your security. You can look baller. Yes. Or you can be a baller. But most of us cannot choose both. <laughs> well, Sonari, you have successfully crushed a young boy's Hawaiian dream. <laughs> but we really do want to thank you for giving your two cents on fine finances. Thank you. Don't be ashamed. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Thanks, guys. For our Mama I Made It segment on today's Selfish episode, where we learn to take better care of ourselves, we have a person whose face and voice you will certainly know, at least if you were on Vine. Check it out. All right, Johnny, you can pick someone else to read. You better not fucking pick me. I picked Meech. I fucking hate you. Hey. Yo, Nick, the fuck? You haven't been answering my calls. I don't sell drugs on Sundays. Well, I do drugs on Sundays. So make a change. Clean your room. Okay. Don't fucking talk back to me. Known back then as Meech on Mars, now he's pretty much your 20-year-old renaissance man with acting, modeling, and comedy on his viral portfolio. It's none other than Demetrius Harmon! Hey, what's good, Demetrius? Hi, hello. I'm good. It's really early, and I don't think I've eaten this ice cream. <laughs> well, at least it was ice cream, though. You know, you can't really go wrong with that unless you're lactose. I am lactose. That's the craziest oh, part. Oh, shoot. Oh, no, yeah, I am, too. That's when you said you can't go wrong with that. Wait, like, it can go I, very actually, wrong. Actually, I am three. Hey, lactose club. Let's start it. It's just hard to resist ice cream. I don't know what kind of person can do that. I don't resist anything, to be honest with you, and my family pays the price for it. <laughs> so we've seen you with Zendaya. We've seen you with Yara Shahidi. We've seen you uh, with Khalid on the Young, Dumb, and Broke video. And you have over 900,000 followers on Instagram. And don't even get me started on how many followers you used to have on Vine. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Vine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, is it safe to say that you're out there, you know, Lil Duval, living your best life? <laughs> yeah. I'm living my or, you know, uh, <laughs> does real life sometimes get in the way? It's a mixture of both because, like, 
I struggle with the things that I struggle with as far as like being depressed and like, you know, anxious and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I don't know. I really enjoy every moment. I think that's why I look so happy within those moments. Cause yeah, I guess like when things are happening is I really just take everything in as, as it is. It's a mixture of both, I suppose. Yeah. No, that's real. Um, you are yourself on all different platforms, including Twitter, Vine, and you once tweeted that the best slash worst thing that happened to you was Vine. What did you mean by that? I think a lot of Viners, people who came from Vine, and they're very talented, but they get typecast as being just a Viner. So it's like you kind of, it's like a gift and a curse because forever you'll be known as a Viner, and people try to dumb down the things you do, like. He's a poet, but he's right. Is a viner writing a poetry book? It's not uh-huh. Demetrius Harmon, the poet, writing a poetry book. Yeah, which is kind of sad. But hey, you have shown that you're clearly doing a whole bunch of stuff. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. When I first found you on Twitter, it was uh, kind of through through like a really rough part of my life. Like I've always been a really outspoken person. I actually struggled with anxiety when I was around like five or six years old. I have like these anxiety attacks and it's kind of funny. My dad would like come in and he had this special, he, he would say it was, uh, he called it breathe cream, <laughs> but really it was just like Vaseline. And he'd, he'd come in and he'd like put it on my chest and he'd be like, okay, is it better now? And like, for some reason, like in my head, you know, it made it better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but as I grew up, I kind of didn't really acknowledge any type of, like, anxiety or depression. And then um, I think, like, three years ago, my anxiety got so bad that I was, like, hospitalized, like, almost every, like, week. And, like, everybody thought I was, like, lying and I was crazy. Yeah. And when I would, like, watch your videos and stuff like that, I was like, oh, like, okay, I'm not crazy mm-hmm. Is was probably one of the biggest things for me. And you've always been really, like, extremely open about your depression and your anxiety, and it's refreshing. But has that always been the case? No, not really, because I've been on social media since eighth grade, and I'm 20 now. And so when I would start, I started from Tumblr, and Tumblr just probably has caused me to have the humor I have now, but it also caused me to feel like I can speak, because a lot of people back then, especially like now, even though it's more open to talk about depression and anxiety and stuff, back then it wasn't. In Tumblr, it was like a kind of like a safe space to speak on it. Uh-huh. And I think Tumblr made me comfortable talking about it. And then I remember like 10th grade year, I tweeted something, something in relation to like being suicidal. And I didn't know, like I never told my friends or people at my school like what I did. So I never expected them to find my Twitter. And one of my friends brought it up in school. He's like, what you was like suicidal? You, you? And I'm like, nah. But I was just shamed of it. Like I was scared because uh-huh. I didn't really talk about it to people. I didn't like the idea that he had, like, that power over me to, like, make me feel bad about it. So I just decided, like, right. that I would take control of it and, and, and put it on Front Street and, and make it very visible. And it's no reason why it shouldn't be. It's no reason why anyone should be scared to speak about how they feel. Because then when we don't speak about how, how we feel, that's when we lock everything inside and it just makes it worse. Right. Um, I can't really speak for other communities of color, but... I mean, as black men, we don't really talk about mental health in our in our culture. It's something that we kind of just push to the background and we don't really even acknowledge. It's kind of just like, oh, yeah, handle that on your own time and then, like, you know, get back to me when that's fixed. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is in the black community? I think it's because we have had so many things to deal with. You know, like, if we look back at generations, especially, like, I, I look back at my parents' generation, my grandmother's generation. Right. You know, they had to deal with... Jim Crow laws or, you know, like racism and all of these other things that are deemed as more important because they are your safety. So it's like 
your emotions and your feelings get put on the back burner because you're basically living at war. Like you're living mm-hmm. in paranoia every day. We're still we're not past that day and age of racism, but we're past the day and age of the blatant like as how how it used to be. And so now we're starting to focus on things that affect us internally because they I don't think they really had the time to do that. It was like go to work, get out of work, and take care of the kids, and it's just like you know like you do that day to day hustle. To like speak on like an example, my dad like me and him are kind of the same person. We are both emotional. We both feel the same way about things, but we just take different approaches. Mm-hmm. But it's funny to like look at my grandma because my grandma like has become more and more open about talking about like the things that she deals with. And it's weird to see the trickle effect because she understands like why my dad may be closed off and how why she was closed off because she kind of raised him to think like, you know, you're one, you're a man, so you're not supposed to show these emotions, but two, you're a black man, you know, so like you kind of have to be on defense and, 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 and be strong a lot more. Yeah, almost like we don't have the luxury to focus on self-care and yeah, 100%. mental health and stuff like that. Yeah, I think I definitely see parallels with that. Um, not exactly, but in the Asian community, you know, uh, I think a lot of our parents' generation, they came from, like, you know, the Vietnam War, then they came to the U.S., and there was so much trauma that they just didn't talk about because it's like, we're just not going to talk about this. Therapy, ha, ha, ha. No, it's all in your head, which it's, like, really unfortunate because I feel like that does a disservice to people our age mm-hmm. because we recognize the problems, and it's like, well, if my parents aren't talking about it, then why should I? But I, I have a lot of hope for our generation just speaking up. Our generation is so powerful. I, I see that, too, in, like, Especially those who come from, like, first generation. Like, I have a friend, and her parents are um, came from her home country. You know, she was birthed here, but it's kind of the idea of they went through all these struggles, so when their children talk about, like, not being happy, they take it as them being ungrateful for the things that they went through and, like, did to provide for their children. Right. But it's just, like, it's really hard for them to, to think outside of the idea of the things that are on the surface. Yeah, I think something sobering and really deep that we all need to take in, even right now, is just like we are three people of color having a conversation on a platform about mental health. Yeah, it's so, crazy. I mean, I mean shout outs to you. Shout outs to you, Mark, too. And I just think this is like really dope in general. Yeah, this is nice. Well, there's another platform that you talked on, and it was uh, at a graduation. You gave a ah. speech. There was a video that you tweeted out back in July. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Look at her. She's, oh, you know, it's me. Uh, what can I say? That's my baby. Um, I want to talk about mama for a second, if y'all don't mind. My entire support system is my mother. Everything I do is for my mom. You know, if I told her I was depressed, she would sit and talk to me and let me talk and listen. If I told her I was suicidal, she would sit and let me cry on her lap and take me to go get some food watch a movie, anything to make me feel better. If I told her I didn't feel good, <laughs> In the speech, like you, the you talked about your mom and how she came through when you wanted to take your own life. So were there any specific things that you feel like she did that made all the difference for you? She just validated my feelings because, like I would say, my dad is the, the opposite of me when it comes to emotions. So when I would be crying, like I'm, I'm, I was a crybaby back then. Like I used to cry about everything. Me too. But it was just because I would get overwhelmed <laughs> with things and I would not know like how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And when I would cry, my dad would tell me, like, you know, like, stop crying, like, stop being a little girl. And then my mom would just let me cry, you know, like, but also just even, like, I, I don't want to go to school if I don't want to even be alive, you know. So she would allow me to stay home instead of going to school because I feel like me going to school would have made it worse, mm-hmm. you know, like, and then, like, she wouldn't tell my dad about me, like, 
being late to school and stuff like that. Just like a lot of things that she did to protect me from either my dad like not understanding what was going on or just in general as far as her to like help me understand that having emotions is okay. She really did let you be who you are. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's, I mean, I kind of have a similar situation where it's been like that for me mm-hmm. and where it's just like you start crying and it's just like, yo, I don't understand that. I don't get that. I don't understand you when you cry. And it's just like amazing when you have that person there that's just like, yo, I I get you. I got it. And so it's a blessing. It definitely is a blessing. And I think that's a heck of dope that you got up there and honored your mom on that. That was so hard to do, too. (laughs) Not even hard. It was just, like, she was in the middle, so I was looking at her the whole time. And it was crazy because, like, as I was saying it, I didn't even feel like I was talking to anyone else. I felt like I was talking to her, like, directly. Like, everything else, everyone else blacked out and was blurred. What did did she think of it? Like, after the fact, you know, you guys got home or whatever, did you guys have a conversation about that? We didn't really talk about it, but my mom was the type to brag and she was just like she was just posting it everywhere like and she had to do facebook live <laughs> being a classic mom <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i know she's the one absolute thing i know is that my mom loves me like it's proud of everything i do seriously like what to piggyback what Nige said you know what's what's great about people like you is that you you provide a voice that some other people don't have within themselves to really share. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I struggled with that when I was younger. I was like, my voice doesn't matter. And then, you know, seeing people like you who are like, you need to vocalize like how you're feeling and who you are on the inside. It was just, it's really a breath of fresh air. Thank you. This is really good to hear. I like hearing this. <laughs> yeah, so we're fuzzies we... all around. <laughs> We usually end our Mama I Made It segment by asking our guests to drop a little bit of knowledge to their younger selves. But in this case, we're kind of going to do the opposite. So we're going to be dropping a little bit of advice to our future selves, to the mentors, to the teachers, to the parents of the next generation, a.k.a. me, you, Merck, all of us, mm-hmm. um, like for our kids in the in the future. For like 40-year-old Demetrius. Exactly. Still looking fly, still looking fresh. <laughs> I can go first. Um, the thing I would tell... Mrs. Merck is, I would say, listen to your mini-me's, you know, those little things you call kids running around, (laughs) and don't prioritize work over them. I mean, unless they really want that flying car, then, you know, you work your butt off, Mom. Um, Just really value what your kids have to say and and let them know that. Vocalize it. Right. I'll go second. I think mine would be just be understanding. Let them know that you understand. Let them know that you're here and just work around them. Believe them when they say how they're feeling. I would say don't hit your children because it just reinforces fear into them. Allow them to talk out how they feel while still like instilling them the right morals. Um, Listen to them about the things that they want and don't get too consumed with work and be away from home too frequently. That's real. That's dope. So I guess our last question is, you know, you've been one of the hardest working people out Right Thank now, you. just pumping quality content out. Yep, this is a show where we make you feel good about yourself, Demetrius. <laughs> um, so, you know, you got your modeling and your skits, but what's what's next for you, man? I'm going to write a poetry book. I'm currently writing a poetry book. That's clean. When's that going to drop? I want it to drop in winter, but I don't know if I have it done by then. But winter would be perfect because that's when everyone closes up in front of a fire and reads books and such. Maybe give us a little sneak peek of a, a poem that you've been working on. Or? I, I can't even do that. I can't even do that. <laughs> oh, I can't shoot. even do Dang that. Dang it. Well, 
We tried it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so I post I've posted like probably like twenty poems yeah. that were meant for the book, and I just had to like not put them in the book because I already posted them. It, it's so hard. <laughs> That's cool. I respect that. I respect that. <laughs> well, Demetrius, we love talking to you. You really are an inspiration to so many. You've been an inspiration to me, Mark. You already know that, but um, it's really just want to hear it though. Yeah, we just want to just let you know. We want to thank you for that and just being everything that you are. Thanks for being with us, Demetrius. Thank you guys for having me. Be sure to check out all Demetrius Harmon's work at DemetriusHarmon.com and follow, laugh, cry, and grow with him on all his social medias at Demetrius Harmon. We also taped this interview with Demetrius a few months ago when the weather was warmer and nope, his book of poetry is not out yet because, you know, adulting. But be on the lookout for that soon. So, Nige, I've got a friend who's got some ish going on. Another friend, Merg. Just like you had the friend looking for dating advice, whatever. You think you're about to get away with this again? Yo, just take my word for this, okay? Anyway, this friend, yes, friend, is about to go down what might be a lonely road, and I wanted your advice on what they should do. Well, I'm really flattered that this quote-unquote friend is trusting in me for advice, but what if I told you I had somebody who could give way better advice than I can? then I'd say I'd help you introduce them onto the show, especially because she's right here with me in this NYC studio. (laughs) (laughs) We've got with us writer, actor, musician, and comedian Lane Moore. She's also the former sex and relationships editor at Cosmopolitan and got a GLAAD award for expanding the magazine's queer coverage. She recently wrote a book called How to Be Alone, which was truly meant to be for self-ish so, Lane Moore. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad to be here. Let's talk about all the things. Yes, all the things. <laughs> Why don't you begin with telling us some super big news that you tweeted about regarding your band, It Was Romance. Oh, yeah, we're playing a South by Southwest showcase. I'm so excited. Hey. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're also the creator of a live comedy show called Tinder Live. Oh, yes, sir. Can you give us like a little spiel about what goes on when you're on stage and why you do the show? Absolutely. First of all, I will say if you haven't seen Tinder Live, your life is worse than it could be. Well, I need to better my life. That's what you're here for. That's true. That's actually very, very true. That is how I view (laughs) the art that I make. I'm here to better your life, everyone's life. Um, The second that I got on Tinder, I was like, this would make an amazing comedy show. Mm. Um, It would be, you know, and so what we do is, um, we, I always say we, like there's like 40 people. It's my (laughs) show. It's me. It's my show. Um, What I do is I project my Tinder screen onto a a big projector so that everybody can see Mm -hmm. uh, my Tinder and um, the audience votes right or left about who I should swipe on. So it's very interactive. Like the audience chooses I like to say they choose my sexual destiny it's like choose your own adventure with my vagina it's like that and then um we go through the profiles live me and the audience is what I mean by we um Uh and I have you know comedians writers Broadway stars uh, musicians all these people um on a panel with me I've had the cast of Orange is the New Black I've had David Cross Janine Garofalo like um but uh and they help me analyze the profiles like oh what's this guy's thing and it's very very good natured and we really only go after you know go after quote unquote but like we really only talk to to just like the weirdest dudes like I the example Ooh. I always use is a white guy with cornrows whose name is Amen like that's <laughs> what you talk to oh homeboy 
So let's talk about your book now. Yes. Um, it's called How to Be Alone If You Want to and Even If You Don't. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's a collection of essays from your personal life, right? Yes, very, and very personal. <laughs> I definitely can't do it justice right now, like with the time that we have. But um, what are some big things that you would want people to know about the book if they haven't read it? God, so many things. And mm. I appreciate your being like, there's no way I could cover all the things because it really is yeah. about all of the things. And, you know, mm-hmm. so. Well, just hit us, with, hit us with a top two. Uh, okay. All right. Um, I think that as a world right now, we're lonelier than we've ever been. Um, we're not connecting the way that the ways that we want to. We're always on social media. We always have like, you know, mm-hmm. it always looks like we're having this wonderful time. But literally everyone I know, even the most famous internet people I know are like, I'm so lonely and so sad and I have no one and nothing and this feels awful. Um, so I wanted to write a book about, you know, from my perspective of my story of, you know, I raised myself. I didn't have a really great family situation or really any classic traditional ideal family situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's really impacted how I've been able to connect with people in terms of making friends and even in jobs and, you know, relationships and things like that. And so I really believe that so much of the ways that we connect or don't connect comes back to what we grew up with. So once I started realizing whoa, like (laughs) I am attracting friends who are like this family member and I'm only dating people who are like this family member, like this just blew everything in my mind wide open and just, you know, but Really, I would say the that's the that's the number one. The number two is I really wanted to create a book that made people feel really seen and loved. And even if you truly feel like you have no one, this book will be able to be with you. This book will act as a friend. And the audiobook as well is designed mm. to make it so that like I'm telling you stories for seven hours and, and singing. And singing and I singing. sing on it. And um yeah. Well, Lane, today you're our go-to guru in a segment that we like to call Goals. Goals. Yay. So this is a segment where we find an expert who will help us reach our hashtag goals in a specific area. And since we're talking about self-ish, and your book is titled very appropriately for this episode, we're aiming to reach our hashtag all by myself goals. Cue Celine Dion here. Is that cool with you? <laughs> Absolutely. Anything, anything for Celine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So first question, a big theme in your book is heartbreak. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a universal feeling that, let's face it, it's a big bummer for all of us. And it doesn't always necessarily stem from romantic places. So we wanted your expertise on moving on, you know, from shitty people who've wronged you in your life or just your own negative mindset. Sure. So you mean just like how to move on kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Part of I mean, part of it is, you know, once you have that component and again, it takes time and there there are there are <laughs> there is a lot of a lot of assistance in how to be alone for for how to do this. But I'll try to, you know, summarize it as best I can. Um you know, in 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 becoming your own best friend, um, you can you you've like created a tool to help you through that. So you think about like the advice that you would give a friend who was going mm. in your in who was in your position, and you know, so much of the time, I think so many podcasts I've done, and especially ones that are like call in, and you hear people asking these questions, and it's just like you want to turn to that person and just be like, "What? Why would you even put up with that person? This person is so clearly like, crappy." Yeah, but. Then I realized that, like, I've done this. I've done this so many times where I've been dating this just, like, human garbage pile (laughs) and couldn't get out of it. And you have to peel that onion of, like, you know, so much of How to Be Alone talks about, oh, like, the bigger problem is not, like, why can't you leave this? You know, like, why can't you just get this done? Like... Because I bet like the, the shitty people that you're attracting are probably like your parents or your sister or that person who like really screwed you up mm. as a kid. Like this is just what our brains do. Mm-hmm. So I think 
you really can't just like I could give you the dumbass advice that like most people would give you. Just like be strong, move on, girl. That advice is bullshit. <laughs> I'm so bored by that. Like she's not about being strong. It's like finding fundamental truths of like what's underneath all of this and like how do you value yourself or not value yourself. Like mm-hmm. it's not doing anybody any good to just say some surface level bullshit. I hate like most advice. It's just so boring. <laughs> like it was just like find your own strength. Like shut up. What does that even mean? Ugh. Go cut an onion. You know what I love? I feel this emerging metaphor is like. Life should be like cutting an onion. You got to get through the layers and cry a frick ton. And make some good food with it. Food that you want to eat. Feeding yourself. Feed yourself. Feed yourself. Feed yourself. Feed yourself. Feed yourself. Love that. Just rip really deep with that Feed yourself with your own tear-filled food. That is something that I actually put into practice. So you're welcome. Who needs salt when you have tears? It's so true. I use Yeah, that's my liquid. When they're like, do you have a broth? I'm like, I can make a broth. Just make a broth of your own tears. Salt, probably some vitamins, a little bit of mascara. You're welcome. That was just a bonus recipe for the listeners. Right. Just a bonus soup recipe. Tears you soup. can you're find welcome. it on Pinterest. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I think all of us can get all in our heads and just get caught up in our thoughts. And I think that's a good thing when it's about positive stuff. But then when it's about negative things, it's, it kind of can get out of hand. Um, it's so just what a loop. something? Yeah. Yeah. So what are like some actual things that you can do to break yourself out of these bad thinking habits? Oh, gosh, for sure. Some of it is just practice because I can be so hard on myself when I can't break out of that and I'm in some loop and like what's real and what's not and what's this mental illness Mm. versus what's actually real. And that is friggin exhausting. Mm. Um, Honestly, you know, for me, a big theme uh, in How to Be Alone is that like I found this magical dog and I really do believe in like the power of animals, especially if like people haven't been that great to you and people Mm -hmm. can often not be that great. But Having her, like, she will just sit on the couch with me and, like, I'll be, you know, stuck in those loops and doing that horrible thing where you switch back and forth between, like, Twitter and Instagram and Twitter and Instagram and you're like, when am I going to feel better? And it's like, never, not that way. That's not going to get, you know, but I'll just be going back and forth between the two. (laughs) And then I'll just look at her and she just looks at me with this knowing smile of, like, hey. What the fuck are you doing? Like, I don't know. I don't know, darling. I don't know. Yeah. How to be yeah. alone, get a dog. I mean. Or a cat. Or a cat. Whatever, or man. Or a lot of There's a lot of animals that need homes. You know, I think it's a good, if, if you're in a place where that's something that you can, you know, physically, emotionally, financially do, man, I really think. And again, it can be a person, too. It can be mm-hmm. someone who checks in on you. It can be a freaking app that checks in on you. <laughs> but just having someone to kind of, like, having backup. I yeah. think that's what it is. Right. I think something really interesting that you brought out was um, when you said, like, what's this mental illness and what's actually real? Um, I think it's really I think that's like a really important even if you don't have like a mental illness or anything like that, you can get caught up in what's like your own paranoia and like your own thinking and like what's real life. Your own Um, patterns and totally because I think that all the time where it's like someone will tell me like. Oh, well, this is true. And I'm like, I don't know if that is true. Yeah. Maybe it's true. I'm too tired. And then I go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> How do you really organize those organize those thoughts? I don't know. I just try to observe them. That's mm. really it. You know, um, I've done a lot of meditation stuff. And I, I think that that's Snaps. something that, yeah. I started doing that recently. And it's helped out so that's much. It. Yeah, mm. I think that's it. Just kind of observe them and, 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 you know, trying not to react to them. Trying to see... You know, and kind of doing some corrective thinking in there is something I yeah. do a lot. And it's it's exhausting because, again, it's just you're just like, can I just like live my life <laughs> and not have to like <laughs> constantly like rewire my brain? Let but for know. so right. many of us, like 
we have a lot of programs in there. I mean, even if you want to get deeper, it's like so many of us have like sexist, racist, homophobic programming that's mm-hmm. not our own and we have to constantly reprogram it. And that's mm-hmm. okay. That's good. That's what that's what being a good person is. So one of your chapters is called Happy Holidays to Everyone But You, You Lonely Weirdo, where you write a letter from your future self to your past self. The holiday season has come, but that doesn't necessarily mean happy, happy, joy, joy, and good company for everyone, whatever their circumstance might be. So what, actually, would you mind reading some parts of that letter Totally, yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay. I guess whichever part of the letter, like, really speaks to you right now. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'll start with this. Um, so this is just part of part of the letter. Yes, it's totally normal if you get depressed before the holidays start. I usually get depressed like four days before pretty much every holiday, except Halloween. Hey! I love Halloween. It's my favorite. I do too. It's the best. And I always feel like, what the fuck? Why am I sad? It's not even the day yet. And then I quickly realize, oh, this holiday is coming up and this is a hard day for me and my body knows it and is trying to prepare. Thanks, body, I guess. More than anything... I want you to know that I care about you because I know you. Not despite the fact that I know you, but because I know you. Like I know that you sometimes lie to people and tell them you have huge plans when your plans are to try to not get overwhelmed with the burden of your sadness and the reflection of everyone else's socially normal happiness. And I forgive you for that lie because I know why you told it. So forgive yourself for it too. Last, you know when people say, take care, and you're like, what the fuck do you even mean? Well, (laughs) take care. Take care of the part of you that wishes you had a normal family so badly it kills you. Take care of the part of you that will never understand why your family was the way they were, or is the way they are, or is no longer around at all. Take care of the part of you that feels other throughout the holiday season. And more than anything, feel proud of yourself because you didn't let being other kill you. You're still here, and one day maybe you'll have a family of your own and you'll love the holidays. Or maybe you'll never like this time of year. Either way, you'll still be here, living. And sometimes that's the bravest thing of all. And if you don't believe me, it's a line in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And as I and I both know, that show is everything. (laughs) I think the coolest part is, like, how you just always blend it back to just, like, you're having a regular conversation with everybody. Like, it's not just, like, it's (laughs) not just, like, advice, advice, advice. It's just, like, always, like, okay, quick break. (laughs) And then you just talk to people like that. Yeah, because it's, that's, I mean... I, I think that I, I often joke that, like, How to Be Alone is, like, a self-help book for people who hate self-help books. Yeah. <laughs> because it's, like, there is a lot of self-helpy stuff, but it also is meant to be a book that's really funny and feels like you're talking to a friend. And that's the type of writing I really love. So that's Yeah, no, it's, it's super cool. We, we love it, too. Thank you. The effect that you wanted is the effect that you're having on people Yeah, like which us, I so. love hearing. Makes <laughs> me so happy. Hell yeah. Good. Well, Lane, thank you so much for helping us out a ton. Uh Giving us your insight and everything. All the yeah, things. Yeah. yeah. All, all the things. We talked about all the things. All the things. <laughs> As I foretold. Whee! Yes. We want so much more of you. <laughs> I would, you know what? I. You have a friend in me for life. You like Halloween. <laughs> you love puns. I am at home here in a way you don't even know. Hey. <laughs> Every time someone doesn't make a pun about my last name, I'm like, you're lazy. <laughs> they're, not, right there. they're not living in the fast Changing lane. Changing lanes. Oh, see? Oh, my God, yes! Oh, get it, get it. Yeah! Oh, shake it, shake it, shake it. Yeah! Oh, I'm dancing right now. Hey. <laughs> oh, this is truly a heaven. You can get a copy of Lane's audiobook. Or book book if you're like me. <laughs> anywhere online or in stores. Just peep How to Be Alone and see what she's up to on Insta and Twitter at Hello Lane More. 
Yo, thank you guys for listening to another episode of Adultish brought to you by YR Media, a national network of young journalists and artists and beat makers and social justice leaders creating content for this generation. And of course, now it's time to give a shout out to everyone who allows Nigel and I to be our best selves on every episode of this podcast. Shout out to Lil Merc for always showing up and showing out on every episode. And shout out to our senior producer, Davey Kim, for basically being the Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers quarterback in this podcast. And I got to give a shout out to my boy, Nige, my co-host on a different (laughs) co-host. Uh, Ghana D. Joe Johnson, our audio engineer, and Rebecca Martin, our EP. Y'all have made this a number one podcast, at least in all of our hearts. Wait, wait, wait. Before you guys go, here's a teaser of our next episode, the final episode of the season, Future-ish. We're going to bring back our finance dad, Sonari Glinton, so he can ramble on about the importance of retirement. What basketball, football player do you know that has left multi-generational wealth, has endowed a university? Most of the people who are balling have been fallen. Uh, dream crusher Sonari back at it again. But more <laughs> on all that next time. See you later. At the finale!